Man, we're really grateful for you to, to be here this morning. I'm uh, one of the pastors here. I'm Darren, and the Lord is, um, I say one of because I am. I mean, this, there's, a, there's a room full of pastors of kingdom of priests among us here today. But we're grateful to have you. If you want to know more about Conduit, uh, do we have the little visitor card still? Do we still have the little glow-in-the-dark statue of Jesus? No, we're out of those. So uh, we don't have that, nor the Jesus koozies. But if you want to, we'd love to have a record of your, of your visit and at the information table. Uh, we've got that. And then we're actually going to be starting at my home uh, probably after the first of the year. My wife had that look of, don't you? Uh, <laughs> a discover conduit uh, time at our home where if you want to know more about what God is doing here at, at Conduit uh, and learn about the history and what, it, uh, what we are doing, then we're going to be doing that in January. And you could sign up or at least put your name in for information there for when we, we're ready to do that. So Romans 12, verse 1. And we're just, a heads up, I'm just going to read this whole thing, okay? Just incidentally, so you know that's where we're going. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and to prove what God's will is, his good, his pleasing and perfect will. In verse 3, for the, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then let him prophesy and accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage. Then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. And if it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse 9, let uh, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor say, uh, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of, the, uh, in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written... It's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. He's quoting from Proverbs. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask for your word to be a lamp to our feet, a light for our paths, and wisdom for us that we might know what your word would have for us today, that each and every one of us that walk in here, Lord, I know that you've got a word for each of us. I ask that you would allow me to get out of the way and that your spirit would speak to each and every one of us, not in an academic exercise, but in a spiritual transformation. In uh, Jesus' name and your nature that we pray, Lord, amen. I, uh, I don't know if you know it, but there's uh, an election going on. Are you familiar with the election? I, I, uh, <laughs> it's almost over, and I really, I'm excited for a few things. Uh, I, I'm assuming that if you work in TV advertising in like Ohio or Wisconsin, it's going to be a really good Christmas for you if you're in the sales area. So congratulations to you on that. I, uh, I, I really figured out that it was the election this week um, because it just it seems to get nastier and nastier as the time comes close. And it was this week that President Obama had said um, there was a, a, a campaign thing and he mentioned Mitt Romney's name and the crowd began to boo enthusiastically as they often do. And, uh, and he said, uh, oh, no, 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 no. And, he, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to do something uh, presidential. He's going to, you know, magnanimous here, and he's going to uh, say something, you know, thoughtful. And, but he, uh, he said, no, 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 the best revenge is voting. I thought, well, that's, I thought that the best revenge was living well, but I might have misunderstood. But he said the best revenge is voting. And I, I don't know about you, but that kind of chapped my hide. And I really wanted to tweet a lot about it. May have. And, and as I was actually thinking about that this week and what all that means and the thing and, the, and God and how it fits, and it, it, was, it occurred to me that the election coming up this week is an election where, give or take, 100 million people are going to go into the, the polling booths. Some of you have already voted, I did. I actually thought, did they not give out the cookie and the juice anymore? Or is, is that the wrong thing? There was no cookie and juice. Oh, I was giving blood. Oh. Yeah, because at Williamson County, it was apparently bring your own cookie and juice. I did not get any. Uh, but this election that's coming up is critical. It's crucial. Everyone is. They've all been that. And a lot of us have been very diligent about it. We want to be very diligent. We want to be very concerned about it. But I was reminded that there was another election that has happened before you were ever born. It was an election that Peter would speak of. And if you've got your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to some of these this morning. Because I really would love for this to... Uh, sink in what God is, is saying in, in his word, and I think 
hopefully, like with me, maybe it, it was a, there's a powerful thing that God is doing in, in, in his election. And, uh, but I was reminded it's First uh, Peter, by the way, uh, chapter one, if you're following along at home. He would say to the uh, people that he's writing to, therefore, my brothers and sisters, in verse 10, make every effort to confirm your calling and your election. To confirm your election, the one where not where you voted for God, but where he voted for you. It says that he knew you before you were born and he chose you. He voted for you. It's not, it's, uh, what did I say wrong? Second Peter, my bad. Teach me new. Very confusing when you get, the, when you get it wrong. Wait till I take you to Habakkuk and then you're going to be like, well, I wish we'd go back to Second Peter. I'm not going to do that. The election of God saying, I chose you, that happened. And what Peter is saying is that you need to be diligent that your election is confirmed. This week we're going to count the votes. And we're going to probably recount them. And if it's anything like 12 years ago, they're going to count them again. And again. And again. And I would say that as they count that election and count those votes, that it's good for us to have a moment in our lives where we recount our election, where we are certain of our election, of our vote from God towards us. There's going to be a time where we get to stand before him, and it's a time where, I mean, once that happens, it's, there's no more recounting. There's no more calling to appeal. There's no more debating whether or not the results were what you looked for or what. I didn't know. I, I got to check again. Once you step into eternity, there's no recount at that point. That part's done. You're going to step into this polling booth, so to speak. And it says that to some, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. High five, fist bump. I don't, I don't 100% know, but something along those lines. But it says something else that's a little uh, chilling. It says that uh, to some others, he's going to say, depart from me to outer darkness, to a place of eternal uh, damnation, a place that, by the way, you're not, it wasn't designed for you. You're going to be... Uh, an immigrant there. It was designed for Satan and his cohorts, but for all those who would reject this invitation that he's given to us, it says, depart to there. And as I was thinking about that this week, realizing that that election that happened for me, for you, that it's important to recount it to know. Parents, it's important that your children know. Have you taught your children? Do they know that their election is sure? That the, the vote has been cast and that they won and that, they get to, that this love that God has shown for us is theirs. Do they know it? It's important for them to know it. It's important for us to teach them. 
in terms of us stepping into that moment, I see in verse 1 of chapter 12 the therefore, right? And I said a couple weeks ago that, that you know, that whenever you see the therefore in Scripture, this is very uh, uh, high-level hermeneutics here. Uh, whenever you see the therefore in Scripture, then you should look to the verses before and see what it's there for. And I, I said that of the first, those verses there, that doxology. But in reality, it's actually Romans 1 all the way through 11. Therefore, because of Romans 1 through 11, which incidentally speaks of the election of God, of him choosing us, choosing you. Therefore, because of that, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And it would go on to talk about this, these gifts that he's given us and, and the love that we can uh, that we can uh, exhibit because of this. Therefore, because of that, our election. And Peter would say to you and to me that we should be sure of that. And it's critical because I think that there are, in the body of Christ in America, maybe here today, I would go so far as to say in America, an enormous amount of people who are going to be a little surprised on that day. I've heard that this, I don't know if you've heard this before, there are three surprises in heaven. Uh, one is that you'll be surprised at uh, who is there that you didn't think would be there. You'll be surprised, number two, at who isn't there that you thought would be there. And then third is you'll be surprised that you're there, that I'm there. But we get this picture in our mind, we think we got it figured out. I'm pretty sure. I, I, I'm pretty sure. I know. But you know, when you look at it from the outside in, even as it relates to your children, as it relates to your family, we get this, I think I got it figured out, and I'm pretty sure Peter says we can know, confirm it. John, in First John, would say we can know. And I think we ought to be careful not to just assume, because there are some things in life that when we assume, if you look at this picture, for instance, this is a picture of a guy named Judas in the garden, and he came to Jesus, and he kissed him on the cheek, and Jesus said to him, friend, what do you need? And if you were to go back in your mind's eye or transport back into time at that moment, and you didn't know anything about what was going on, you would look at that and think, man, that dude loves Jesus. Judas really loves him. That's awesome. These guys are bros. Because you don't know anything from the, you just look at that moment and that thing, and you make a judgment on that thing, and it's obviously completely inaccurate, or you might actually then go forward and look to another scene, and you would fly in through the time machine, get the DeLorean and dust it off, and fly in, and you would see a scene with a guy named Peter, just a few hours later, sitting around a fire, and a woman would say, hey, aren't you one of those that was with Jesus? Aren't you one of his? And it says that he cursed, and he actually went so far as to say, my soul be damned, I don't know who you're talking about. And you would think, that guy hates Jesus. And you would have it exactly backwards. Judas, Jesus would refer to as the son of perdition, which means waste. Which means it was better, he said it would be better if you were not even born. And he would look at Peter and say, upon this rock I will build my church. And so I would say to us, as critical as the election is, you've got it in your mind this week, what is more critical 
is for you and for I to be able to know that John says we can know, Peter says we should confirm it, that our election, that our salvation is confirmed, secure. Jesus would actually say in the book of Matthew chapter 7 that I'm not actually going to turn there. He would actually, verse 24, he would say uh, that there will be those on that day that will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, depart from me. I never even knew you. Oh, Lord, but we did all these things in your name. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. And he'll say, depart from me. I never even knew you. That's one of those things that I wish he hadn't said. There's a few of them. They turn your, your cheek thing. I didn't like that one. Uh, I didn't like the whole love your neighbor as yourself because I like me a lot. And so that's kind of sucks. And, but it, this is one of those, he'll say depart. Because you look at that and you, you see these, the prophecy and, the, and you begin to see like these gifts that are actually outlined even in Romans 12 a little bit here. He'll say depart, I didn't even know you. But we can know. John actually tells us that we can know. I can look you in the eye this morning and say, I know that I know that I know that my election, that he voted for me, that I'll stand before him and say, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. John would tell us that, and if you're a note taker, I'd encourage you to jot it down. If you're a chewer, I'd encourage you to chew on it. If you're a prayer, I'd encourage you to pray about this. Because John, in, in the book of First John, and we're going to camp there for a few seconds, he would actually give us this promise in First John, got that one right, 5, verse 13. And he would say to the people that I'm writing these things to you, so that you may know that you have eternal life. John writes things here that I can know, that you can know. And as you look through this letter that he wrote, there are three things that he tells us that we can know. And I would encourage you to, like I said, write them down, chew on them, pray about it. Because I'm excited to tell you that if, if you don't know, you can walk out of here today knowing in your soul. You'll know it based upon what John writes for us. There's no guessing game. That's not how God is. I hate Islam, not because of the crazy whack jobs, but the religion itself says if you do more good than bad, even if it's one more bad thing than good. On the other side of that, you are damned forever to hell. It's all about doing and keeping up with the good things and hoping that you're going to make it. None of them, if you're an Islamic background, know that until you stand before them, you have no idea. It's like, spin the wheel. Come on down, Bob Barker. Behind this curtain is a fabulous trip to hell. No wonder they're mad. It's, there's no joy in that. There's no joy in Hinduism, which says if I'm good enough in this life, then I can maybe make it up the food chain. 
There's no joy in religion in a Christianity that says, I've got to be good enough. Then maybe I'll make it. That's not what Jesus promised. It's not what John says that we can know. He says three things. And if you just turn back a couple of pages to 1 John 4. He tells us how we can know. He says in verse 13 that this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. If you're a note taker, that is the first thing that John says that we can know. He says that we know this because of his spirit in us. You think, that's great, Darren. What does that mean? That's a good question. I'm glad you asked. If you were want to put a finger there and hold it, or I'll turn there and you can come back. But in Romans 8, the book we just came out of, he clarifies it so perfectly and so beautifully for us when he tells us how we can know and what that means about our spirit. It says in Romans 8, 14, that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba. I love that. It's a word that means daddy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit confirms it in you and I. D.L. Moody, I don't know if you're familiar with who he is, but many, many years, many, many uh, moons ago, he, before ever the, the institute was started, he was a, a kind of a small-time preacher, and he had read about this thing, the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's recorded that he went to New York, and he locked himself in a hotel room. No food, no nothing. And he said, I'm going to stay here until you confirm it with me. That the Holy Spirit will just confirm it with me. And it says that after three days that the Spirit came on him in such a way that he actually left saying, I can't take anymore or I'll die. It was that awesome. Because he walked out knowing the confirming, the confirmation of the Spirit inside of him. And I would encourage you that if you've never had a moment like that with the Holy Spirit, what's it worth for you? I know what it's worth for making sure this election comes about the way you want it based upon the Twitter feeds and the Facebook timelines. And, but what's this worth? Is it worth it for you to go someplace, to your pickup, to, your, to a hotel room somewhere and, and do whatever the Lord would lead you to do? But is, there, is it worth it for you to say, I don't want anything else but you, Jesus, for you, Holy Spirit, to come upon me, to infiltrate my life, and to wait upon the Lord? Maybe that's something that you need to do in the coming days and weeks. That the Holy Spirit confirmation inside of you, that you know, that you know, that you know. I'm not saying this is the how you get saved. I'm saying this is part of that. The Holy Spirit confirms it in you. And part of confirmation, incidentally, is 
if I had a tree in my yard that was an apple tree, the way that we would confirm it would be if there are apples. We, uh, we were not very good gardeners this summer. We gave it the old college try. But even on the weakest of our plants, we still got little somethings growing from it, and it confirmed. In fact, there was one where we thought, oh, these are red peppers. No, those are yellow peppers, and we were confirmed because there were yellow peppers growing on there. I grew up in a world where we, the proof of the Holy Spirit was operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Interesting, because what did Jesus say on that day that some of you will say, I did this and this, I cast out demons, I prophesied, and I didn't even know you. That is clearly not the proof of the Holy Spirit. The proof of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5 tells us, is love. Singular. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And it goes on to say joy and patience. But interestingly, it didn't say fruits of the Spirit. It says the fruit, singular. I believe that's because the everything else, the long-suffering, the patience, the kindness, that's the taste, the, the feel, the experience, the color. The, it's the experience of love or those things. But love, singularly, is the fruit of the Spirit. And when I look to Romans 12, back to where we started, that first few verses where it actually talks about those gifts of the Spirit. Interestingly enough, the only time in the Scripture where gifts are referred to that way, like from the Spirit, and you think, well, Darren, I thought about Romans, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. The word gifts is in italics, which means it was not there in the original. It's, it's an operation of the Spirit, and, and we're going to talk about that next week as far as what that means, and, the, and then the gifts in Ephesians 4, the ministry gifts. But suffice it for today that those gifts of the Spirit are proof of what God is doing inside of us, confirming it with the way those gifts will begin to flow from within us. Teaching, leadership, prophecy, ministry, mercy. These are all gifts that God, it says, by his grace puts inside of us. It's confirmed by his spirit. That is part of being confirmed. Again, Romans 1 through 11 is all about the election, all about what God has done and how much he loves us. And then we get into Romans 12 and we see that confirmed in the spirit are these gifts that he puts inside of each one of us. Incidentally, not a gift like I'm giving you a present for Christmas. Notice what he doesn't say in Romans 12. I've given you gifts. It says you have gifts. And what that means is those gifts are not for me I'm the delivery guy. I'm the UPS guy driving around delivering this gift that God has given me. And if we're all doing our gig, we're all going to be giving those gifts to each other and all those things that I need because I need guys with administration. I need anybody with administration around me. If you've been around, you're like, amen to that, brother. That's not my gift. But people around me that can give that gift to me, that's awesome. That's the gift keeps giving. Those gifts of the Spirit are proof of the Spirit or confirmation of the Spirit that your election is sure. He would then say in 1 John 3, the confirmation of the Spirit. That's how we know. The Spirit, His Spirit confirms with our Spirit. And then he says in 1 John 3, In verse 14, I'm going to put it up there for those of you that did not follow along or bring your Bibles. 
Verse 14, he says that we know that we passed, there's that word, we know, we passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love, it goes on to talk about what that means, but it says that we love, that that is the proof of the Spirit, is love. Confirmed in the gifts of the Spirit that operate around us, but when we look at what he's saying here in 1 John 3, that love is the gift of the Spirit. And we see in Romans 12, the proof of the Spirit love, just a few verses down he talks about, hey, when your enemy is saying really nasty things about you, do something nice for them. He actually goes on to say, pour heaping hot, uh, heaping hot coals on their heads. All right, we're going to get a cast of vote this week. I would say that a better option is for us is to cast some coals, hot coals of kindness on those who are our enemies here and abroad. I've really wondered about this heaping hot coals thing because when I read it at first, it's kind of like, ooh, burn, gotcha, did something nice which is not Jesus-like, right? It just didn't feel right. Actually, reached out to Russ Rankin last night. Like, uh, did they teach you something in Bible college about this? Because, like, I didn't go that much. (laughs) Maybe I missed that day. And we were back and forth, and, and one of the things that Russ pointed out, which I thought was an amazing picture, was... What was the sign on, in, in Acts when it says that the Holy Spirit descended upon them? It was fire on their heads. A picture of that, I, I finally, last night, would, uh, would find a, a few sources that would say that in the Jewish culture, and if you've been around the world, you know that nobody's sitting around like with a big lighter or one of them like extendo lighters, that fire is not necessarily something they had handy and so they would keep them in a brazier, not like the Dairy Queen, but like the, uh, I don't even know why they call them that, by the way, but the brazier is where the fire would be kept. And if you were unlucky, your fire went out. And you don't have bare grills there. You don't have the little new knife from Walmart where you can, the sparks come off it. And you're, how do I get fire? And the way that that would happen is you'd go to your neighbor and hopefully they would have some fire, some hot coals. And if you've been to a developing nation, you know that the way that people carry things, on their head. And an act of kindness would be to offer them a hot coal of fire. An act of generosity would be to give them a bucket full of it that they can take back. When we do that, we are heaping hot coals of kindness on our neighbors. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. It's recognizing that it's above my pay grade to take revenge on them. If, if you were to ask me to dismantle an atomic bomb, I hope you guys are a long ways away. It's just above my pay grade, above my understanding. Hopefully uh, not above yours if we had that situation, but there are, even that you could, if you work hard, apply yourself, dump about 150000 in student loans, you could probably figure it out eventually. But there are some things, including revenge, that it's above my pay grade, above yours, and it always will be. And he says, leave that up to the Lord. That your deal is you get to heap hot coals of kindness on them with the understanding that, it, they, look, they might spit in your face. They might tweet really mean things about you. 
Leave that between them and the Lord. Whenever that happens, and I, whether it's in revenge or judgment, it is me saying, hey, hey, scoot over, Holy Spirit. I got this one. I got this one. And it is me recognizing that that's not my gig and saying that I'm going to leave that to the Lord and love the fruit of the Spirit in me confirms my election that if I am transformed from the inside out, it does not mean that I'm going to get it right every time. It does not mean that we're all going to get along all the time. What it means is that the spirit itself, the love inside of us, if you've got tragedy in your life, where do you go? Who are your people? You go clubbing to try to forget about it? Or do you go to the people, the body of Christ, your church, your people? Is that where you go? Are those your people? That's the, the love of them and the love of you coming together. These are my people. This is the love of God shed abroad in my heart. It's Theo. The gifts of the Spirit confirmed. The second, the, the love, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And if you're trying to think of a way to really figure it out, or to, it's the gifts of the Spirit are the tools of which God uses to deliver the fruit of the Spirit. So whether if you've got administration or leadership or one of those fits with you, and one of them will, your gig is to use that gift to use it to deliver the love of Christ to the world all around you. To know that your election is sure the Holy Spirit will confirm it in you. There will be love that will emanate out of you. And third and finally, he says in 1 John 5 again, right back where we started. In verse 11. He says, this is the testimony that God gave us of eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Underline it, scribble it, exit, do that whatever you do, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the testimony, the word of God, the written word of God. That is how we know. What does the word tell us? It tells us in John 1, not 1 John, but the gospel of John 1. He tells us in verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him. And yet, verse 12, to all who did receive him, to all who believed on his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The promise of Scripture is that if I believe upon his name, his name, Yeshua, which in the Greek means Jehovah saves. Not I'm getting it good enough, not that I did it just right and that saved me. Jehovah saves. If I believed on him, his name, received him, then I am a child of God and I can know. 
It'll be confirmed with the gifts of the Spirit, delivering the fruit of the Spirit. But it is about the Word. When Jesus was being challenged in the desert, the enemy's task was, if you're the Son of God, questioning and challenging his relationship with the Father, if you're the Son of God, why don't you uh, make a sandwich out of this rock? It's like a, a subway shop waiting to happen. You're a sandwich artist. And Jesus said, no, 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 it's written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It wasn't even about whether Jesus was going to die of uh, starvation or not. It was about what the word promised him, which was that it's not this bread that will sustain me. It is the word of God. It is what is written. Three times Satan would challenge him, if you're the son of God, and each time Jesus would respond, it is written. His promises are sure. And in Romans 12, the election is sure, and we see those gifts of the Spirit flowing. We see that love being commanded and encouraged of Paul, the guy that was, these people were abusive and harsh with him and saying, give, give him something to eat or to drink and to pour hot coals of kindness on their head. You're not going to light it on fire like a Michael Jackson video. You, like, put it in there so that it like warms their heart. And then he says, verse 19 or so in Romans 12, by the way, it is written. He goes back to the word, back to the promises every time. It is written. And we can know, you can know, that your election is sure because it is written. His promises are that sure. How do I know this? That election day, when he, Jesus' vote was cast, there wasn't any question about whether or not the votes were going to be what they were supposed to be. There are no hanging chads, no dimpled chads. Remember dimpled chad? If you don't. No dimpled chads. Holes are punched in a ballot to say, this is what I choose. Voting is about saying, this is, I'm putting myself, my thing, who I am behind this person or this cause. And on that day, there were holes that were punched in Jesus. Holes that there was no question at the end as to what he was voting for. Interesting, because there were seven places where holes were punched in Jesus. How many gifts were there in Romans 12? There were actually seven of them, incidentally. And I believe that each and every one of you, there's a gift of the Spirit inside of your heart, inside of you, that you're to give, to distribute throughout. And I looked at that and thought, man, I wonder if, I wonder if in his right arm, if maybe the gift of giving was paid for. God said that, uh, John says that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that I can give with my hand. And when I'm giving those hot coals of kindness, it's as a living sacrifice 
reflecting the scars in Jesus' hands. He didn't allow them to heal. Giving, saying, I'm giving this because of what Jesus did for me and what he wants to do for you. He voted for me and he voted for you as well that the right hand of, of giving might have been paid for when he voted on that day. The other hand might have been a gift of exhortation. What does exhortation mean? It means sometimes you need somebody to grab you around the shoulders with their hands and say, you can do this. You got this one. Somebody to grab you by the arm and say, come on, we're going to do this. You're going to make this happen. If you're a personal trainer, you know about this. You're going to go, come on, fatty, you can do it, Darren. You can get it. Yeah. That's, that's what my trainer, anyway, he shamed me a lot. But it, it, it's not how Jesus would do it, incidentally. But, but it's that hand of exhortations, and you got this. A hole punched in your hand. If you're a guy that's, or a girl that giving is your thing, it's the vote that Jesus cast for you. If exhortation is your thing, it's the vote that Jesus cast for you. It might have been a, a gift of, of ministry that is in your life, a, a gift of service, simply meaning serving those around you, those that are, it's in your deal to go to the hospital, to, to love on those that are sick. It's in your deal to go to New Jersey and help those that are affected by the floods. It's in your deal because that's what God made you to do. And it says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. A hole punched in his feet, a vote for you and your gift that you can do this. Go be a ministry person. There are some of you that are the, the gifts of, of leaders, the ruling, the administration piece, the, the thing that Jesus did so well. There's 5,000 people. How are we going to feed them? You've got to break them up into groups, break them up into groups of 50, and we're going to put them here in these pods. And the gift of administration and spreadsheets and Excel and those things that I am so terrible at. Amy knows this. Amy is our bookkeeper. She's also got the gift of patience. That, that gift that Jesus, I think, paid for, and I believe it's a part of the foot, because what did Jesus do the night before he died? So he took off his cloak, and he wrapped it around his waist, and he bent down, and he washed their feet. Servant leadership. Not ruling over, but ruling from beside. Loving and ruling and administrating love. There was a hole that would be punched in Jesus' side, close to his heart, in fact, so close that he, his heart was pierced. He died of a broken heart. They stabbed his heart, a gift of mercy that would come from there. And as you are giving that gift of mercy, and that's who you are, and that's how you're wired, you can know that I'm here because I've got a Savior with a scar in his side, in his chest that says that he's a merciful God and I have that gift and it is my job to deliver that to everyone around me. He voted for you. You can do it. On his back, there was the flagellum that was full of little spikes and nails and glass and every time it would hit his back, it would stick in and poke holes in his back, stabbing him and tearing at his flesh. And I see that the gift of prophecy, which is about declaring truth. The thing about it, you know, that love rejoices in truth. It's patient. It's kind. The problem is, is when I'm not rejoicing about truth, I'm really mad about it. Have you been in one of those sermons? It rejoices in truth. If it's truth and it's from the Holy Spirit, that means you're stoked about it. This is the truth. 
And I say all of that to say to you today this, that every one of those holes that he received, that he voted for you personally, knowing that you would be somebody that he is going to give the gift of mercy to or the gift of leadership or exhortation, that he would say to you and to I that even if you're just a dumb old teacher, he had holes in his head, even that is worth something. (laughs) And I'm thankful for that because I look at my gifts and that's it. Teaching, which is just incidentally just defining truth. But every one of these, whether it's teaching or prophecy or mercy, all seven of them in the seven places in those seven holes are about, I believe, one thing and one thing only, and that is about delivering the gifts, the fruits of the Spirit, which is love. It is his kindness that leads us to repentance. I would encourage you today as our worship folks are coming back to ask yourself the question, First and foremost, am I sure? Is my relationship with God, am I sure of it today? I, I, I feel like this might sound a little harsh, uh, call it the gift of prophecy in a pinch, but you would be an idiot if you left here today without making sure. You have this opportunity to make sure. You might be thinking, oh, the game's going on. Darren went long. Oh, quiet your soul for a moment. And hey, I want to be sure. I'm here. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to show you in the scriptures how you can be sure of his love for us. You don't have to not be sure. John tells us we can know by his spirit confirming it with the gifts, with the love inside of us, and ultimately because of the word, the testimony of Jesus, it is written. Whatever votes are going to be cast this week, with all the craziness of all the stuff, I hope you remember that there are holes that were not punched in a ballot, were punched in, in God, that said that I did this for you because I love you that much that much pray that you would uh, let that spirit speak to you today that maybe today you would walk away sure and those of you that are sure and you know it already man walk out confident in the gift that he put in you that he paid for specifically for you with his vote for you we get to Vote for a man on Tuesday. I don't know who you're going to go vote for. I, I know that our kingdom is above and beyond all that anyway, is what Peter tells us. But I'm most concerned, and I pray that you're concerned. Parents, I pray that you're concerned about your children, that you teach them how they can know. Don't let any grass grow under this. Let the Lord know today. Let you know inside of you for you. He loves you that much. You don't have to guess. You don't have to wonder. You'll know. I'm going to pray for you. And I'm just going to be right here. If anybody says, I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. You can know. You can walk away knowing today. For those of you that know, though, man, just pray today as you're worshiping. Lord, how can I take this gift that you've given me, this gift of administration? All I do is love Excel spreadsheets. How can I use that for your kingdom? 
He paid for it, or the hole in his foot to show you what it meant to lead and to rule over those details by serving and pray that he'll show you that today. And know this, the God of all the universe who can sneeze stars and make it rain turtles if he wanted to, voted for you. You, you, Jordan, you. Like, ah, that's huge. Lord, would you move in our hearts today and speak to us and know that our election is sure, that we can know, that we know, that we know, that we know what a gift even that is. You love us that much that it isn't even a guessing game. We know. Lord, I pray that those of us that have those gifts inside of us, that you would, uh, you paid too great of a price for us to sit on them. Paid too much for me to park the truck on the side of the road and keep them for myself. Whatever would hold those gifts hostage today, Lord, we just break them free. Just you break them free, Lord. Holy Spirit, break them free. Speak to us each individually. And for those that might not know, Lord, would just speak to them clearly. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, I'm right here. You're not going to interrupt me. If you want to pray with me, I'll be right here. And we've got elders. All right. If you're an elder, would you raise your hand real quick? Just all around here, people you can go to and pray with as well. So thank you.